right, it is Saturday night, another edition of the PNC Progressive Wrestling Podcast. I'm Elio, he's Ben. Ben, what's going on? Not much, man. Thanks for agreeing to jump on early. I, uh, I'm, just, I'm feeling kind of tired, so I, I figured if you wanted that my best for the show, it was uh, in our best interest to jump on earlier rather than later. Plus, I, I'm, uh, plus I might... Uh, watch a, a movie after this i'm not sure which oh. one but oh okay i was about that switch one now now you know me as the as that guy that watches all these strange fucked up movies right yes <laughs> so this past week i started something i had i started my own friday the 13th marathon because they have a couple of movies on tubi so, of course, I'm not one of these people that watches Friday the 13th Part 1, Part 2, Part 3. I space them out because then it's too right. much. So, right. a couple of the other movies I watched were Spring Breakers. And now the, the list I I just put together now, I have one called Nanny Cam, another called The Raven. And I've got Lone Wolf McQuaid on there as well. Just to name a few. Um, Lone, Lone Wolf McQuaid should be fun. Yeah, I didn't even know that was a 1983 movie. I thought it was like earlier, but yeah, that should be a good movie. And then I got the, I like these anthologies, like these horror anthologies, so I found a British one called Thriller. Uh, no, it's so, uh, not surprisingly, I haven't heard of that. I'm sure you're shocked yeah. No, I've never heard of it either. It's uh, from 1976. It's a British anthology. Oh, so two years before your birth. Oh, after. Oh, 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 okay. For some reason, I was thinking, yeah, you, you're 1974, not 1978. For some reason, I get those backwards sometimes. <laughs> All right, so tonight we have Dynamite. Smackdown, Halloween Havoc, and Wrestling Roulette. Well, Halloween Havoc '96. I should be. I should uh, be specific there. We have Halloween Havoc '96. Yeah. I'm gonna make an announcement about future shows that we're gonna be doing. Absolutely. So uh, look forward to that, and uh, let's see if we get started. All right. So AEW Dynamite. From the Coca-Cola Coliseum in Toronto, Ontario, Canada, and Ben, I was not going to get a ride into Toronto to go and watch this show, so it's I made a smart decision to stay home with my popcorn that doesn't cost twelve dollars and watch it in well, my room on and, TV. And to be honest, and I, I'm not being a smartass, Elio. I promise. To be honest with you, one that was probably a smart financial decision and two it was it was probably better for your comfort as well you know yeah. because i because honestly like you know not not that i'm scared of covid still being a thing but cr- crowds um you know big crowds like that have always been an issue for me so I don't know. I, I just think you made the right decision. Well, even for me, like when I went to WrestleMania, um, my we had the 500 level seats, so it was kind of hard, like getting down the steps. So I had to hold on to my brother because there there was a huge crowd. 
like, yeah. when, when they were getting ready to leave. So I held on to his arm, like to help my help me down the stairs. The stuff's yeah. in there. Yeah. Right. So yeah, I get that. So yeah, that's what that's one reason I don't really like going to like live events is the crowds. Yeah, and and then the other thing, since you just mentioned the steps, I remember going to one. I think it was like 2014, and uh, you know, I I had requested you know handicap accessible seats beforehand. You know, I'm in a wheelchair. Obviously, steps are not doable for me. And they said, well, you said you were handicapped, which implies you can handle more than two steps. But like less than five. I'm like, well, what, what the, where the fuck did you get that definition from? They're like, well, you can handle a step down, can't you? I'm like, no, I'm in a wheelchair. You know, I explained this. What the fuck is wrong with you people? What's your definition of disabled? You know, so, so I got a, I got a Webster uh, education as to what the Webster Dictionary supposedly says about the disabled population. Yeah, so like uh, myself now, I have to use a cane uh, to get around. Like, to, like when I'm out, not when I'm home, but when I'm out, because it's, it, uh, my left foot is like messed up. It's, it's like all cram, always cramped up. I don't know what they did when they did my surgery on me. They must right. have touched something. So that's just something right. I, I I used to have the same problem with my right foot. Yeah, so now I just use canes to help me get around. Not because I can't walk, but to help me walk. Yeah. Yeah. So AEW Dynamite starts with the introduction of the newest edition. Renee Paquette. Yeah, and I, I gotta tell you, I'm a, I'm a really big fan of this pickup for AEW. I've always been um, a gigantic fan of Renee Paquette, um, even more so since I started listening to her podcast. I'm not a, um, I'm not like an every week listener, but it's like every time I. Uh, I do listen. I'm very impressed by her um, interviewing skills. And, um, you know, because I don't know, I'm sure you've noticed this in terms of wrestling interviewers. Sometimes, and I'm not saying every time, um, but sometimes it's just like eye candy. It's the same thing with 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 like NFL reporters. And it's like... It's very surface-like interviews, very superficial questions. Um, But the way that she gets down and interviews these people um, and can kind of break down their stories, it's very fascinating. So I just feel like she adds a level of credibility to the AEW um, production side of things that wasn't there before. Well, she got her start... um... Um, after after Raw, they used to do this uh, podcast uh, called Right After Wrestling, where they used to review the show. So she was a host of that, along with uh, that other guy, Arda O'Kell, who fans will remember as Kyle Edwards. Oh, Lord. Yeah. So, yeah, they, they used to both uh, do a podcast called Right After Wrestling, and then after she left, it was 
Arda O'Hale and Jimmy Corderas taking over. I always like Jimmy Corderas. Yeah, he's cool. Now, now he does uh, Aftermath with uh, Santino Morella. Yeah, and uh, speaking of Santino Morella, I think his daughter just got injured. Ariana, Ariana Grace? Yes. Yeah, I think she just got injured not too long ago. Oh, oh okay. That's why we haven't seen her. Oh. In Kiana James, I'm not understanding that one. But anyway, that's well, that, a, that's that, for another show. Yeah, we can uh, we can put that in with the last legend conversation. So, um, okay. Although, although I'm not sure anybody is as bad as the last legend. <laughs> so, so Renee is, walks out, and she introduces Christian, who proceeds to uh, rip the audience and uh, takes a nice jab at them to unwipe leaves. You know, Christian, you're Canadian. You know that, right? Yeah. You, you heal. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, and uh, Christian Christian has that unique ability to be that hometown guy that can still get food. <laughs> right? So I, I appreciate that. So he introduces uh, Luchasaurus, and uh, first up is Luchasaurus versus Jungle Boy. Ben, what do you got for this one? Well... Before I get into the actual match, let me let me say this about this feud with uh, Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy. It's been terrible. Uh, <laughs> yes, thank you, thank you. Okay, so I wasn't alone there. No, yes. it's bad. Like, wait, what are you doing? You turn you turn Luchasaurus from a face to a heel, and then you turn him back to a face, and then you turn him to a heel again. Yeah, and and you know if. If he had been turned to the to, to the heel when they turned him heel and then they kept him heel, it would have been fine. But the fact that they they kept they they turned him back face uh, fucked it all up. But is it just me or is that uh, promo Jungle Boy cut on him last week? Was that uh, it's just me or was that bad? Well, I, I feel like every single one of of Jungle Boy's um, promos are bad. Yeah, I just I, I really I really enjoy Jungle Boy as a wrestler, and I'm not trying to be an asshole. Um, it, but you know, some wrestlers they have it in the ring, um, and but they don't have it on the mic, and he's definitely one of those. Mm-hmm. And so I I would I would greatly appreciate um, one if we would keep the mic out of Jungle Boy's hands. Mm-hmm. And two, quite frankly, if we could move past this Luchasaurus um, bullshit with Jungle Boy, um, that would that would be greatly preferable because um, you know it it, it just it, it was getting old months ago and now it's just stale, and and nobody likes to eat stale food. I will say in terms of the match though, uh, that this was the the best. Match that I've that I've seen them have. So this is a first high point. Then uh, my second one because I only have Absolutely. I only have three high points. Everything else is all low points. So my next high point is John Moxley Adam Page promo. I absolutely agree. And the Pack Orange Cassidy match. I I agree. 
Now, for low points, the first one I have is Warjo versus the Factory Y. Yeah, that's that's my question. First of all, what what is this name, Warjo? Where did they get this name? It, it, it's it's fucking terrible. It it, it really is. Next uh, low point I have is Billy Gunn and Swerve Strickland, and what the hell? The the, the audience was chanting, "Oh, scissor me, daddy!" No, no, <laughs> no. Oh, no, we're, we're not going to be scissoring anybody. Right? It's just, I you know. I just, maybe it's just me, but I don't get it. Why is this so popular? This, uh, this catchphrase, like. I, I don't, I don't understand it either. And, and look, I give the acclaimed credit. Um, you know, they, they really have gotten over and I do think that they're incredibly talented and thus, they deserve the position that they're in. Absolutely, I'm not disputing that. Um, but this, uh, I cannot believe I have to say this sentence out loud, and it makes sense in in terms of any conversation I'm, I'm having in my life. But the fact that I have to say the line, scissor me daddy ass, while discussing... <laughs> While discussing wrestling on a podcast is is very disturbing to me. Your parents must be so proud. Well, I, well, you know, if if they if my mom or my brother came in here right now and I was like, "What the fuck did you just say?" <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm a, even uh, me, I'm like, would have to like uh, type that out or write or say that, and I'm like, my mom must must be so proud right now. Yeah, it's just um, it's one of those it's one of those things where it's hard to explain. But I am I am happy for them, um, and and clearly something about what Billy Gunn brings to the table is helping them get the gimmick over. I'm not sure why, because on the surface, um, Anthony Bowens and um, oh god, what's what's the other guy's Max name? Caster. Yes, and and Billy Gunn, they don't mix well, but for some reason, when you get them in front of the camera, they do. Um, now, in terms of uh, the match, Billy Gunn versus Strickland, I have to echo the same question that you asked, uh, Elio, which is, which is why. You know, if, if you want to have Swerve Strickland in a match against anybody, Put him in there with Anthony Bowens. Put him in there with Max Caster. That's fine. Why Why does a 58-year-old Billy Gunn have to get in there with a 30-something swerve straight line? Yeah. Like, that, it, it, it doesn't help anybody. It doesn't elevate anybody. Billy Gunn doesn't need to be elevated. You know, I, I saw this, I saw this, um, this post on Facebook while I was doing research for, the, for um, this show. And it said that um, that Billy Gunn was having a better run now. Um, no, no, no. Hear, hear me out before yeah. you start to before you start to laugh because I understand where I think you understand where I'm going with this. They, they said that Billy Gunn was having a better run now with the acclaimed and the scissor me daddy ass than he did with the DX and the suck it and the new age outlaw stuff. What? Which to me is just complete bullshit. 
No, he had, he had his better run with with the axe. I don't know what, what people are talking about. That, they must be AEW fanboys. Well, that that would be my that would be my assumption because it's like with with every wrestling company that because, I, because I, I'll tell you off era uh, the question that we're gonna ask this week or right. ne- yeah next week. Okay, well I'm looking forward to that. But but you know with with every wrestling company that I've become familiar with, whether it be ECW because that was the, the the first one, then it was WCW, then it was WWE, then TNA, um, you know, and then you know back to WWE in two thousand four. Once my quote unquote ban got ended by my dad, your ban. He left. He did. He left your ban. Well, he thought he did, but I'll I'll tell you that story in a minute. It's it's, it's, right. it's funny. Okay. Um, but um, but you know, with with every wrestling company, you know, I can find things to like and dislike, and and understand where the fans are coming from. But then, when you have asinine takes like this, it's just like what. You're like you're comparing the acclaimed to Degeneration X. Like I was, I I saw this video on um on Instagram uh, last night, as a matter of fact, um, where it was it, it was they were behind the curtain right before their music was about to hit. Uh, DX was standing on top of uh, the tank that they came out on for the for the DX celebration 25 years thing mm-hmm. and before the before the music even fully dropped they do they do a zoom in on um on um on uh, oh god um oh shit um, no uh road dog. and uh you know he's he's vibing you know he, you know he's already rocking out to the to the DX theme song, and you know, you almost forget that the fact that we're staring at a fifty-some-year-old guy, you know, because he he's got the tattoo on the back of his head and he's rocking out. He looks like you know, he looks like a young, you know, wild man just having the time of his life. And then the, and then the beat drops, and then he goes charging out on this fucking tank. And the fans are going crazy because it's D Generation X. Now I now I know that the Acclaimed are popular right now, but in 25 years, the Acclaimed, if they're even known in 25 years, which I highly doubt, no disrespect to either one of them, you know, when their music hits, the crowd is not going to have that reaction 25 years later. I'm sorry. They're just not. So so the fact that you that you're saying that you know um Billy Gunn has a better run with the acclaimed, your argument has no legs to stand on at all. So it, it's it's just absolutely ridiculous. But um what were your uh, what were what were your low points for um that, that's two of them. Uh, my next one is Chris Jericho and Brian Danielson, and I'll tell you why. Because why? Why are you building up 
this Dangle Garcia face turn, only to have him turn heel in just because they're in Toronto, Chris Jericho's uh, home country. Exactly. I didn't. I didn't like that either. Like, it makes no sense when they do stuff like this. They turn heel just to accommodate that hometown uh, star. Well, I and and I didn't have any problem with the match. I actually quite enjoyed the match, but. But the ending with um, Daniel Garcia definitely left a sour taste in my mouth, um, for sure. And then my final low point is the women's tag match. All the women's stuff just fails to interest me. Yeah. I don't know what it is, but honestly, and, and you know me, I don't bullshit on this podcast, but... I fast-forwarded through this entire match. I didn't even bother. I wasn't even interested. Okay. Because because you, you know who's going to win coming out of this match, and I was exactly right. I was exactly right. And, you know, and, and you, you know, you just move on to the next one. All right, so, oh, go on. <laughs> Well, it's just, this this women's division really um, is eyebrow raising to me because you know on paper they have a very very talented um, roster of women, but you know if you if we wanted to take the next half hour of this show, which trust me I'm not going to do. Um, but, you know, if you wanted to take a few minutes and, and really break down who they got on this on this women's roster and what they're doing with them, it's like, what the fuck? You know, you got you got women like Tony Storm, um, which what the fuck? I mean, I know she I know she's the champion, but I'm asking the same question with her that I was asking with Thunder Rosa, which is what what the hell is she doing now that she has the title? Mm-hmm. And the, the answer is absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. A- am I wrong, Elio? No. And then on top of Tony Storm, you have talent like um, Athena, the former Ember Moon, who who I thought would have had the, the rocket strapped to her back and, and launched right to the top of the women's division when she got in there. Right. Um, you know she she ha- she hasn't been relevant at all. Yeah. Then then you have um, a girl like um, now. Granted, she's out injured right now because Sammy Guevara injured her. Um, but um, you know you have another one that like Ruby Soho, who when she came in she started out hot, but. You know, what the fuck happened to that? I have no idea. Um, and then and then you, you have a, you have another talent like uh Jade Cargill who who you know who let's be let's be honest and if you if you disagree with me, feel free to to offer a rebuttal. Um, you know, this is not a one sided conversation. This is just um, this is just my thought process, but um, you, you know, to me, Jade Cargill is very one-dimensional in that she has the look, she has the charisma, 
But the accolades that she is building up with this undefeated streak, um, it doesn't match her her ability in the ring. So I'm having trouble taking it seriously. And it's like, when is the last time that she faced credible competition where you actually believe that her undefeated streak was in jeopardy? I don't, and yeah, the, yeah. the answer is, I don't think she has. Nope. I'll tell you, I think, I'll tell you about uh, the one uh, comment uh, on uh, on uh, the fantasy match that we posted weeks ago. Yeah, and, uh, I, and I, I actually, I actually remember what that fantasy match was, so I'm actually uh, quite excited to hear that. Um but you know it's it's just frustrating to me. So it's like, but at this point, every time the women come on, it's like, oh, put it put it on the mute button, put it on the fast forward feature, mm-hmm. because because I want to care, absolutely. I I want to give a shit, but I just can't. Nope. Um. So in, in did you get finished with all? Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm done with my head points and low points. If you have anything you want to add. Okay, so you, you you did pretty good in terms of nailing my my high points. Um, low low points wise, let me just finish uh, scroll, scrolling to the top, make sure we don't miss anything. But um, low points, I would definitely put. Uh, I'm right there with you with with uh, War Joe versus the Factory. I don't need, dude. I don't even know why um the factory is employed. No, like when you said choppers, I thought you were talking about the Jacques Rougeau students because uh, he brought two uh, some of his students to the show that night. So I thought uh, they, I thought they might have been uh, put in a match or something. No, I when I said jobbers, I was referring to the factory. Okay. Um, because it's like, why? Well, there they are. Freaking Q2 Marshalls, not, nothing uh, big. Well, I know, but still. Yeah. It isn't, isn't, uh, I know Samoa Joe's past jobbers, and I, I think Warlow should be. Um, and then Billy Gunn versus Ford Strickland did nothing for me for the reasons I already, um, talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, the post match made it even worse because we got more Mark Sterling and Sterling Hathaway, or Stokely Hathaway. I'm sorry. Um, and then uh, um, the women's match would have put me to sleep had I not fast forwarded it. Um, high points I had um. Chris Jericho, Brian Danielson, um, Orange Cassidy, and uh, um, Pac. Mm-hmm. Although, although I will say, I one hundred percent categorically disagree with um, Pac losing that championship. Yeah, because I don't understand what, what are they going to do now? What are they going to? Because Orange Cassidy is pretty much always on TV. Yeah, and it's just I I don't I don't get it. To to me, uh, to me, um, and this is no disrespect to Orange Cassidy, but it it, it would seem that um, 
Pack would be a much better in international representation for AEW than uh, Orange Cassidy. Mm -hmm. Because so far, I could count on one hand the number of times that um, the AEW All-Atlantic Championship um, has been defended on, on um, AEW TV, and I think the grand total rises all the way to a, to a shocking two. <laughs> Oh, wow. Um, you know, and I, I just don't care. Yep. But, I mean, it, but you're never going to hear me complain about a match between these two because as much as I started to uh, dislike the gimmick of Orange Cassidy, I still do, by the way, but I can't deny the fact that he's a fantastic wrestler. Well, I don't think he does it as the for for me. It doesn't look like he does it as much as when AEW first started because he used to do it all the time when AEW started. Yeah. Now, now it doesn't. It looks like he doesn't really do it as much. But yeah, but the one the one part at the end of the match, here comes Dan Housen to try to put a uh, put a put a curse on Pack. Oh, no. It's like it's like shut the fuck up. Are you are you uh, kidding me? You, <laughs> you want me to t you want me to take the All Atlantic Championship seriously, and he, and here you have Danhausen putting a curse on somebody. And, you know, the second you put a curse on anybody, you have me rolling my eyes. But you put a curse on pack of all motherfucking people, and you expect me to, to take it seriously. Give me a goddamn break. You know, I'm I'm about to have a heat stroke just because I'm getting so heated off of that one. That <laughs> one. I, I I need a I need a sip of, of orange soda to calm myself down. For fuck's sake. No, no. Uh, um. Okay. Is this is that all we have for dynamite. Uh. Yeah. Did you have anything to add? No. Actually. Um. I'm gonna. I. I know we don't cover rampage, but um. Because um. We watch it on Wrestling POV while we're recording. Uh, Tony has it playing in the background. Right. So, like, and he'll be, like, looking over while we're recording the show. So, um, last night, yeah, last night uh, we saw the debut of Maria Canellis and Matt Taven. Yeah, how was that? I was, that was interesting uh, because... So apparently, uh, their impact run is uh, through, and uh, there's no more honor, no more uh, stable. So I don't know what they're gonna do with these two in uh, AEW. Well, I mean, my my question is, and I, I don't I don't mean any disrespect, and, and maybe we'll maybe we'll leave the answer to this question till after our. Actually, first... it was uh, Mike, uh, Maria, and uh, Matt Taven. Yeah, the three um, of them. Yeah, so and maybe we can leave the answer to this question until after we come back from our first break. Yes. Um, uh, well, but, yep. But my my question my question is this: because um, I loved the Kingdom back in the day in mm -hmm. Ring of Honor, but what are they what are they going to accomplish now that they didn't accomplish back then? And how are and how are we going to? How are we gonna get them as over now in AEW with all the young talent that's already there? See, because the roster itself is already getting saturated, and by bringing in um, 
guys like this, you're, you're saturating it even more for titles that you're not putting emphasis on. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because yeah. right now, right now, the All Atlantic title is getting more shine than the tag team titles, mm-hmm. and the tag team titles are getting more shine than the TBS title. And you know, and and for God's sake, the the TBS women's title is getting more shine than the AEW women's title, and I'm all confused. Yeah. So so I I don't know. So it's just. I question what um what the what the kingdom can do. I welcome them to come in and try because I'm a I'm a fan of theirs. Um but um am I am I super invested in Mike Bennett and Maria Canellis after what I saw them doing in WWE and the Love Struck gimmick? Oh, that was terrible. That was and, so bad. And and Maria Canellis winning the twenty four seven title while pregnant? No. Yeah. <laughs> and do and, and and just so we're clear, we'll wrap it up with this. Do I take that seriously? No, of course not. Of course they wouldn't have chose to do that. But but it's just like, come on now. You want me to take these guys seriously, you gotta do some image rehab. Yep. You know? So it's so we'll leave you with that that little funny ending and we'll be right back. All right, now that is all for AEW, and we are now going to get into WWE SmackDown. Ben, what do you have for us? So right away, the show opens up to uh, King Cross having gotten into a uh, car accident outside. No, I said okay. You know what? Because we didn't see Drew McIntyre, but I'm gonna. I I, oh, I know yeah, this yes, is all. Whole... Yes, we did. No, no, I'm saying, I know this is all part of the storyline, but I'm just saying, like, because uh, when they said, like, there was a car accident, like, at first, like, you, be- you believe that it was, like, a real car accident, right? Mm-hmm. But not, then, n- not really, because as soon as the cameras are on, you know, all thoughts of something could be real. Like, no, that's yeah. what I thought. It was that I thought it was, like, a real car accident that, that he had gotten into. Not, not if it's right outside the building, though. No, I'm saying that's how good it was. Like they, they made it. They made us actually believe that it was a real accident. That's how well, how well um, done it was. Oh, very good. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, it, it, the the thing the, the thing is this. Um, I I don't know if I really liked it though, but like I I yeah. understood I understood it because as soon as I, as soon as I. Read before SmackDown went on the air, the King Cross was going to be involved in an Intercontinental Title Fatal Four Way. I'm thinking, well, isn't his current trajectory a lot higher than the Intercontinental Title? Uh, that doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, so I'm I'm willing to bet you they do something to get him out of there and somebody else in there. And sure enough, uh, this is what they do with it. Um, so it was. It was an inter- interesting way to open the show. Myself personally, um, ever since they did the uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin and Rikishi angle, that was the that was the only um, attempted murder on um, on 
on WWE television I ever actually bought into as a kid. So Yeah, and Ben, remember, he did it for The Rock. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That, was, that, was, that was a great reason. The Rock's making fun of him. I did it for The Rock. I did it for the people. <laughs> I had to get that in there. Very well timed, sir, and I appreciate that. Um, so, uh, the action for SmackDown um, opens up with Kofi Kingston um, in a singles match with Sami Zayn. Um, this was a high point for me because mm-hmm. um, um, any any time that um, I won't say the match was a high point, but all the stuff around it was. Does, does that make sense? You know, because like before before. Sammy and Jay go out there, you know, Roman's on the phone, like, watch Sammy's back. You better get the win or you're going to catch hell, Um, you know. And then Sammy Zane's insinuating that it was Jay's fault that he lost on Raw. And all all this storytelling stuff between Sammy and Jay makes them the two most compelling elements of wrestling television on a weekly basis. Especially later on in the show with the backstage interaction. Where um Sammy was like um hyping up a uh, solo and uh, Jay was like, "You're welcome, you're welcome." Yeah, and, then, and and then and then not even solo saw Jay help Sammy out. So it's like, <laughs> yeah, right? like, what it's the like J- J- Jay can't catch a break. So oh my god, so awesome! I just love the whole story. Absolutely. So the more and more, the more and more that this unfolds. The more I'm starting to think that Jay is going to lead to the to the downfall of the bloodline. Like at first, when they bought Solo in, I'm like, oh, well, he's going to go, he's going to go rogue, and then he's going to cause it. But now I'm really thinking that it's Jay that's going to cause the uh, the downfall of the bloodline because he's going to have some sort of uh, mental breakdown over this whole Sammy situation. Um. So then. Um, after that, um, Triple H has a backstage conversation with Ray. Uh, Ray Ray's uh, been moved over to SmackDown, which makes no sense because they didn't wrap up Don Dominic's storyline. Well, well, so, something's coming of that. Okay. I actually didn't mind this because. No, I mean, I, I hope so. Cause they they just like because uh, I was reading the way they moved them SmackDown, like, but that makes more sense because they didn't wrap up the the Judgment Day story. Well, well, I think that I think they're making. I think they're gonna make it a part of the Judgment Day story. Oh, is okay. what I'm saying. All right. But I don't. I don't think they're wrapping it up. I think they're making it a part of it. Okay. Uh, and I think I think Ray's um, mental breakdown is a part of that. Like. Okay as part of the Judgment Day's mind games. Mm-hmm. Um, so as a result of this, um, you know, Triple H convinces him not to quit and signs him with SmackDown instead of quitting the company. Okay, so Matt, that, sorry, sorry. I'm looking on my phone, okay? We're, we're, and you're talking about Triple H, right? Yeah. It's like I'm looking at Google News because I see like wrestling news all the time. And what's the first picture that pops up? Triple H. <laughs> oh Lord! <laughs> I just wanted to throw that out there. Yeah, it was hilarious. I'll tell you what, I I, I love Triple H. God bless him for resurrecting WWE yep. wrestling. 
Wait, no, it was reading about the Ezekiel storyline. So you know how how the Ezekiel character is dead, right? Yes. Yeah, I was reading where Triple H uh, ended that ended that once he took over. So he's the one who would have put an end to the whole Ezekiel thing. Yeah, well, thank you. <laughs> right. Because um, because we know that we know that the Ezekiel thing wasn't working. Nope. I mean, I mean, look. They had, they had two segments that were kind of cool, right? They had the um, they had the lie detector test with Ezekiel and Kevin Owens, yeah. and and then they had the backstage segment with Ezekiel and Elias. Yeah. Those two were kind of cool. Outside of that, no. Yeah. Um, All right, so, so bad uh, I just smacked out before we get off track. Yes. Yes. Although sometimes I don't mind those sidebars because it's just cool. Yeah. Um, and then uh, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna skip the next couple parts and just keep going um, with with high points. Okay. okay. So let me let me kind of reset myself. So so far nothing nothing that we've discussed is a high point outside of the storyline elements of the first match with Sammy and Jay, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then we get we get down to um, to the sixth match, the fatal four-way for the number one contender spot for the Intercontinental title. That was a high point. I especially popped for the, for the face-off between Ricochet and Rey Mysterio because that's like a that's like a dream come true for a fan like me. Um, so that was awesome. Um, and then, of course, the high points of high points of this entire show was the official first promo for Bray Wyatt back with the company. Now the yeah. reason. The reason why I like this so much, and I, I heard it referred to as like an ultimate tease, um, to put the PG version on it, you can you can you can imagine what the X-rated one was, but I'm not gonna say that because we're not this kind of show. Um, but the reason why I, why I liked it, um, was because I felt like I felt like it was actually the person behind Bray Wyatt talking to us for a little bit. And that was a person. He even said, this is me. Yeah. So, and that's something that we don't get to see. And as as a result of of this promo, I posted on Twitter that sometimes reality is better than a story being told. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly how I felt about this segment. And then the, the the, the way that they ended it, with um with the guy in, in the mask. Yep. It it makes me think that, that it's that it's Bray versus his inner demons with the way that he was talking and then the way that it ended. You know, some people didn't like that because they wanted like more explanation as to why Bray came back. Just uh, well those fans just need to watch wrestling and stay quiet. Yeah. Stop complaining about not getting this or that. But I, I 
like I said, I really like this because it's not often that we get to see um, the people that play the characters for who they are yep. on this on screen. So that's something that I really appreciated. Now, um, because if you really if you really think about it, you know, um, you know, Bray Bray has been gone since the middle of last year. Before that, he was in a mask. Since um, you know, twenty like at least two thousand nineteen, so we hadn't heard him talk in a very long time. Um, you know, he had always gotten over with his mannerisms and his body language and so on and so forth. So to to hear him speak in in a matter that was real and not in riddles. Um, was was very nice, and I, I do think it advanced the story because now I think, like I said, it's going to be Bray versus his inner demons, rather than rather than Bray um, trying to bring people into his world of of demons and and the spawn of hell and what such. Now, Ben, do you know the story behind a mask? No. So WWE uh, trademarked uh, two names on October 8th. And they were? They were Uncle Howdy and Uncle Harper. Oh, man. That makes me even more emotional than his fucking promo. So that, that mask is, uh, is, uh, is going to be the Uncle Howdy character. Oh, man. I can't wait to see what the Uncle Harper one is. Yeah, I'm not that one. I'm not sure about, but uh, yeah, two those two names, Uncle Howdy and Uncle Harper. You know what? Like I know, and and I'm I'm not just I'm not just saying this. Like I know, I know Negative One, aka Brody Lee's son, is in AEW, but I kind I kind of I kind of wish that he he could come out with Bray like one time. Yeah, just like I think like that would be. What? No, I, I said yeah. I no, I I have an ad that's fucking pissing me off. Hold on. Oh, <laughs> something. I I clicked on absolutely nothing, and then something about an owl cat. What the fuck? I mean, um, it, it may, it's that owl from last week that's uh, haunting your dreams. Exactly. <laughs> um, that, that was a good. That was a good segue for that. Oh. <laughs> Uh, well done, sir. I appreciate that. But yeah, I um I, I would really like to see um Brody Lee Jr. come out with Bray Wyatt one more time. I'm not uh, I mean one at least once. I'm not expecting it to happen, but I do think it would be cool because you could you could see him legitimately get choked up when he mentioned, you know, I've lost two friends. Really close to me, and no, I lost. Did, did, he didn't mention any names, though, did he? No. Okay, no, because I, I thought I heard that. Because uh, they must, then uh, the other guys must have uh, misheard because they, they said they didn't catch the name of the one guy. But I went back to listen well, to the promo, and I, I didn't hear any names. Well, no, but I think I, I think what they were hearing, um. Was, I think the crowd was chanting Harper. Oh, okay. I could be wrong, but I think so. Okay, no, see, so you mentioned uh, another wrestler. Or, 
another person that day he lost as well. Well, he meant he mentioned a person, but I didn't catch a name. Yeah. Okay. So. All right. So um, that's yeah. That's my high point. For my high point, I have the Kingston and the Zane. But um, him knowing like out of the Fantasma, I'm not sure how I feel about this. I mean. I mean, uh, what do you think about Selena Vega with the Gato? It, it works, and I like it, but I, I'm not sure why they kicked out. Um, That's what I'm saying. Um, why they kicked out Electro? Like, I'm, I'm, uh, what what can what can um, Selena do better than than what she was doing? So. I don't hate it. I don't dislike it, but I'm a little miffed by it. I mean, maybe uh, Electro will show up later on on the main roster. Uh, well, well, yeah, but it, it, but if she's not with Legato, what the fuck is she gonna do? Yeah. So, so it, um, it's just weird. I don't know. And now this is another one. Yep, we're recording because this is another one where I'm gonna give it a, as a high point and a low point. Okay. L.A. Knight and Mansoor. I'm not going to call it Mansoor. Because not the match. The match is a low point. His promo afterwards is a high point. Exactly. Oh, L.A. No, wait. And the way he was talking, is L.A. Knight a heel? Or is he a face? He, yes, he's a heel. Okay, yeah. I, thought so. I thought so. The way he was talking, he sounded like a heel. Okay. Oh man, yeah, I, I don't care. I don't, I don't care if he's a heel. People are still gonna cheer for him, and they're gonna turn him again. Yeah, um, and uh, and I just, I, I'm so, I'm so relieved that LA Knight is back yep. because you know, not nobody gave a shit about <laughs> Max. Nobody gave one single solitary shit about Max Dupree. <laughs> You know, it, it just wasn't like I bet you that when when Maxine Dupree told the former Max Dupree, you like doing that, don't you? Uh, yeah, well, that's uh, a, that's like the buzzword for the podcast, Dupree. Well, uh, well, I'm getting <laughs> I'm, I'm getting them in one last time while I still can, but. I bet I bet she had a real good time telling the former Max Dupree about how Mama Dupree disowned him as a Dupree. It's just you know, it's like thank God. Thank God, I can't believe they gave Sophia winner Cromwell this this game. I mean, they moved they moved her from NXT to the main roster like right away. Like, why? You, 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 don't, you haven't even been in the ring, so you're just going to be a manager? Well, I feel bad for Sophia Cromwell. I well, yeah, because, because I, I thought like I, I, I thought they were going to have her like in the ring and actually have a few matches. I didn't think they were just going to use her as a manager. Well, in, in, a, in, addition, to, in addition to that, number one, the gimmick sucked. Yep. The, the the new management finally realized and got the the cash cow, aka LA Knight, the fuck out of there. Thank Christ. Yep. 
But then, then she's still behind the eight ball in in the middle of absolute shit because they're continuing with this maximum maximum male models bullshit with Marseille and Mansois. And did you see Marseille's ring gear? It was like the most disgusting thing I've seen since Orlando Jordan's caution tape. I remember that. You know, it's just. You know, it's like it's not necessary. Like, what are we doing? Yep. And if I swear to God, I swear to fucking God above me, if if someone comes at me and says that they're pushing this LGBTQ agenda, I'm gonna have a problem. Because if you that's what you mean with this maximum amount of thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's just, shut uh, the hell up. Uh, you, you know someone's just going to make some stupid comment like that because wrestling fans are just stupid like that. Well, exactly. They just Seriously. are. They think they know everything. You don't know everything, all right? Just sit down and watch wrestling. Exactly. So that's all I had for SmackDown. Did you have anything to add, Elio? No, that was that was all I had for SmackDown as well. So now uh, we're gonna get into WCW Halloween Havoc '96. Yes, and I personally chose this one. Yep. Um, because we were going back through um, the list of pay-per-views that we have that we have done. Versus the ones that we haven't done. And um, being that 97 is one of my favorite, um, or has one of my favorite matches of all time, I figured that we would go back one year and check this one out. Yeah. Well, if uh, if it's not on the list, then uh, we haven't done it. So now we can add this one to the list, Halloween Havoc 96. Absolutely, sir. And, uh, you know, judging from the... uh, on the list that you sent me the other day, we've done a lot more shows than I thought we had. Yeah, well, I that was all part of Ben's homework corner. Remember uh, when I had you watching these shows and like we're gonna, because I got those that idea from another podcast that I was listening to, and where they yeah. reviewed retro shows. I'm like, we should we should uh, take a look at uh, reviewing these shows. Yeah, and and I. And I, I like the fact that we that we took that into the format of our show because it's something that I'm really enjoying doing and, and something that we're going to continue to do as Survivor Series draws closer. Yep, and uh, we will also and uh, we'll have that announcement after we get done with the Halloween Havoc uh, '96 review. We'll have an announcement about future shows. Absolutely, and then of course we'll wrap up the rest of the show with. Uh, Wrestling roulette, but let's uh, let's so, not yes. jump too far ahead and get into this Halloween Havoc. So Halloween uh, Havoc '96, it was had the tagline a "Night of Terror and Suspense." Ben, were you terrified and uh, held in suspense? <laughs> well, no, I, no, I wasn't. I wasn't terrified until the main event where I was forced to see. <laughs> Um, oh Jesus! The, the, the full moon, aka Hulk Hogan's ass. <laughs> oh my God! Okay, so I was because when you mentioned this, I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I experienced <laughs> that. That when I was watching it this morning, I'm like, oh 
Oh, no, right. I, I saw the spot you were talking about. I'm like, oh, ow, my eyes. <laughs> so this show took place on October 27, 1996 from the MGM Grand Garden Arena in Paradise, Nevada. Absolutely. And, um... So, Ben, let's go through this card. Actually, I'm going to give you the three, the two, uh, um... The two uh, pre-show matches first before you go into the main card. Cool. So we had Jim Jim Powers defeating Pat Tanaka, and Psychosis and Who to Guerrero defeating Damian and Halloween. Oh man, I uh, I really like Psychosis. Him and uh, Rey Mysterio and Psychosis were my two favorite luchadors. All right, so Ben, what do you got to take us into the main show? So, right off the bat, it gets um, kicked off hot in the uh, in the deciding match of what was what 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 became a best of five um, series between Ray and Dean Malenko because between okay. between TV matches and it wasn't designed like this, but between TV matches and pay per view matches, this was the this face-off between Ray and, and Dean Malenko. So they were making a big deal out of the fact that um, Dean won the first two and then Ray won the, the next two. So they, they're like, this is the rubber match. Okay. Um, so um, right off right off the bat, they started telling the story about how, and we'll get into some of the moves and stuff like that, but one of the, one of the big... Um, selling um, selling points from a, a commentary perspective throughout this match was that at a recent uh, Nitro, uh, Dean Malenko had stolen the mask from Rey Mysterio, and so he he got um, he got his mask back uh, mid match, and um, he actually he actually changed mask without revealing his face. So he put one on while taking one off without revealing his face, which I, which I thought was a remarkable feat. Mm-hmm. Um, although that meant that his gear didn't match, but I, I considering considering the story being told, I thought that was a nice spot. Um, but talking about the match, um, the match itself, um. So we we get we get started off quick because Dean jumped Ray before the bell even rang, even rang and um, we get a we get a quick belly to belly suplex for a two count followed up very quickly by the Texas Cloverleaf but of course Ray had too much leg strength to get caught that early uh, and then. Um, Dean bails out to the floor after Ray starts with some of the high-flying offense. Um, but, of course, we, we know from 20-plus years of experience at this point that when you roll out to the floor, you are not safe from the offense of Ray Mysterio because what does he hit? A springboard somersault. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it was it's kind of cool because it's like, you know, like twenty plus years, I, I've learned uh, Ray's offense so well that it's like I can almost call exactly what he's gonna hit. 
So back uh, back in the mat, back in the ring after after Ray gets his mask back um, and puts it on, um, Ray gets to pounding him in the corner. Uh, Ray hits a victory roll for two. Um, he then um, he then gets caught in the corner and Dean hits like a sidewalk slam kind of move. Right out, right out of the corner. That was a that was a nice touch. Mm-hmm. Um, half crab on the damaged knee by uh, Dean Malenko. Uh, Dean gets right into a modified bow and arrow, which is a very uh, underrated submission man- maneuver that I really like. Um, uh, Dean then picks Ray back up and. Got a super belly to back suplex for two. Only 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 Dean Malenko can make certain moves look like a legitimate finisher. Like even when Bailey hit like did did her uh, belly to back suplex, um, which she doesn't do anymore. I'm not sure why, but. Even when Bailey did it, it never struck me as a legitimate finisher, even when it did finish her matches. She has that new move, the Rose Plant, I think it's called. Yeah, I'm not sure why. Did did we ever get an explanation as to why she stopped using the Bailey to Belly suplex? No, I don't think we did. I'm not sure. But, um, uh, you know, let me uh, just put my drink up. Um, and then uh, at, after that, Dean um, Dean gets a head scissors on Ray, and and then um, hits another delayed vertical suplex. You get a camel clutch, which God, that's that's a blast from the past. How how often does a camel clutch get called in today's wrestling? Jesus Christ. Um. Uh, Ray tries to get get back up with the high speed offense. Uh, Ray cuts it off with a sleeper on two separate occasions. Um, R- Ray finally uh, gets back up, hits a twisting corkscrew, a side moonsault, which is pretty much Ultima Dragon's moonsault. Um, in case you can't picture that, because even I can't picture a twisting corkscrew, a side moonsault. I can barely say that without tripping over myself. Wait, say um, the, the twisting corkscrew assignment salt. Yes, and you're <laughs> well. See, see, it's not fair, folks, because Elio has all this practice of going over those Japanese names without tripping over himself, and and, <laughs> and then he tries to brag on me on our own show, and then he makes me look like shit. So. I, I don't know. Well, uh, uh, before we go on, uh, maybe we should go into commercial. Um, let me let me just finish this match and then. Move oh on. yeah, finish that. Yeah, finish this match and then we'll go into commercial. Okay, so very quickly after the moonsault, um, Ray hits the West Coast pop for two. He's very frustrated. Um. Uh, he goes for another move, but Dean reverses into a power bomb, which I legitimately thought um, was going to go for a three count. It was not, and then um, they go back and forth on the top rope, and um, 
And Dean shoves Ray off the first time, but he heads back up. And Dean hits him with a powerbomb off the top rope for the win to retain the championship with 18 minutes and 31 seconds in on the match. And I'll tell you what, you're not going to get me to complain about any match featuring Dean Malenko, but especially Dean Malenko and Rey Mysterio. Sign me up for that one, please. Just, you know, just nah, take my time card. Nah, I'm good. So, um, before we get too deep on this review, uh, my virtual producer is giving me the, the signal to shut the fuck up so we can go into a sponsored commercial. I wish we were getting paid for these. Hint, hint to the associate producer. Um, but we'll be right back. All right, we're going to get into wrestling roulette. The way this works, I play 10 clips. I play 10 seconds of 21 clips. My uh, co-host has to guess which wrestler that theme belongs to. And, of course, we have the new rule where anytime an NXT theme show or Baron Corbin's theme shows up in rotation, it's minus one point. Or or Tommy Dreamer's theme that is not... Sorry, Allison not Baron Jones. Corbin. No, not Baron Corbin. Tommy Dreamer. Sorry. Anytime Tommy Dreamer's theme that's not Allison Chains or NXT shows up, it's minus one point. Absolutely. So let me just uh, get my... Uh, let me get my uh, total counter here so I can keep track of how many themes we have. Very good. And we will get underway. So, battery mystery first one. Yes, sir. Um, Ultimate Dragon? Ultimo Dragon. You are uh, on the board with one. Cool. Alright, next one. Glorious. Uh Bobby Rude. <laughs> Gee, that was that wasn't hard, was it? No, not at all. Oh my okay. All right, so here we go. Next one. What's with these easy ones? Uh, automatically making me smile, Mandy Rose. <laughs> Mandy Rose. All right, you are up to three. Can you replay that for me? All right. Peligrosa. Is that Rosa Mendes? Yes. What? What? Wait. What? How did you get that? I I don't know. What? <laughs> Wow, okay, <laughs> sure. Here we go, number five. Okay. Yo, 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 yo. 
not sure. That is Liv Morgan. Uh, she changes her theme song more than most people change their underwear. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. Okay. Four, four and one. Okay. Not bad. All right. So, so here we go. The fuck? <laughs> I don't know. That is Michael Cole. Okay, we're not gonna count that. No, no, veto, veto, no. Nobody's ever heard that theme. Fuck off. So what is that gonna be on the band list? Well, nobody's ever heard that theme. Alright, so are we gonna put that on the band list? Sure. Still All right, four. so it'll, it'll be my, starting next week. If it shows up in the rotation, it's minus one. Okay, okay, so it's still four and one. I have no idea. That is Omos. Okay, well, I I have never been more happy to take an L. Oh, and by and by the by the way, Elio, Sorry. I, I I forgot to mention, and I'm I'm very happy that I forgot to mention that on SmackDown it was te- it was teased that almost and Braun Strowman were going one on one, presumably at Crown Jewel. Yep, I saw I saw that on SmackDown. That was terrible. I don't know. I want to see that. Okay, uh, absolutely. You're absolutely right. Exactly no one, zero individuals, even Saudi Arabian simpleton princes. No right. one wants to see that shit. All right, you still have four. Are you ready for the next one? Yes. Here we go. Oh god, that sounded like the most ultimate generic ruthless aggression theme I've ever heard. Um, was that um Oh god, uh pass. Bobby Lashley. Okay, four and three, not bad. Alright, so seven tracks already. Alright, here we go with another track number eight. Dolph Ziggler. Uh, nope. Well, it was at least half Dolph Ziggler, so you had to give it to me. Wait, say again? It was at least half Dolph Ziggler, so you got to give it to me. What, half a point? Dolph Ziggler and, uh, uh, how about the Dirty Dogs? Okay, there you go. The Dirty Dogs. Okay, five and three. We're we're good. That's what I was waiting for. Like, come on, you know this. Okay. All right, here we go. I don't care what y'all say. 
One of the two sexiest Canadians I ever did see, Trish Stratus. <laughs> Trish Stratus, you are up to six, okay? And, and for for those of you that are wondering, the other one is Maurice. Don't start. No, actually, I'm not. I don't have anything to drink, so we're good. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here we go. You ready? Track, track nine. Uh, that was track nine. This is track ten. We're six and three now. Oh, that's right. Are you ready for track 10? Yes, sir. Gold dust and stardust. Well, here it says gold dust and quarter rose by E. Well, the, you know the, what? They were Goldust and Stardust, so it still counts. I'll give it to you fine. Okay. Uh, so seven and ten. Seven and three. No, seven and ten. I'm saying ten is how many tracks I, I've. Uh, okay, well, still that, seven. That's 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 why I have it because so that I know that it's seven and three because it's ten tracks. Okay. Okay. No worries. All right, you ready? Mm-hmm. No, we already did many roles. Uh, although she can she can pop up twice anytime she wants. Well, no, no, I already said who it was, but you would have already gotten it anyways. Yeah. So, okay, here we go. Sure. That is Damien Priest. Okay. All right. I'm not sure I've ever heard that, but no, no, that was that was his uh, new one by Def Rebel. Not Def as Rebel. Ju- not not as Judgment Day, but the one he had before. Def Rebel sucks. All right. Okay. Uh, you know, track twelve. Big Daddy Diesel, Kevin Nash. Did you say Big Daddy Diesel? <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Kevin Nash. All right. Track 13 coming up. Here we go. Now, you know what? That's, uh, that's NXT UK. We, we're not doing NXT UK. Okay, cool. I don't have the slightest idea. That is Earthquake. Who would have ever gotten that? All right, eight and five. And Ben, this is all it does. Terrible. <laughs> uh, and, and do you know who who 
who uh, is it's is written here as the artist for that one? Jim Johnson. No, Jimmy Hart. Oh God. And JJ McGuire. All right, so here we go. Next one. <sighs> Always have this one. That is the Iron Sheep. Okay, eight and six. All right, here we go. I have not a clue. That is the core. All right, well, nobody would remember that, but eight and seven. All right, here we go. No, I'm going to give you another one because this one doesn't have any name on it. Okay. That is Hawkins and Ryder. Oh, who gives a shit? These are some cheap L's. Oh, <laughs> All right, here we go. Bret Hart. No. Natty Neidhart. No. Who was it? That is the Hart Dynasty. Oh, who? Well, then Nanny Nightheart still counts because she was still in it. <laughs> trying to pull, trying to pull one over on me. I'm not pulling that on. Wait, yeah, she was our manager. Yes, you see, yes, nine and eight. <laughs> You have five more songs, sir. I know. Imperium? No. Who was it? That's Gunther. Ah, gee, come on, man. The same thing. It's not the same thing. The Imperium has a different music. All right, nine and nine. Don't be a bitch. Nine and nine. Mean nine and nine. Yeah, I'm nine and nine. Where this is number nineteen. Wait, would you? You got you got the other one was sixteen. What are you talking about? I said there's five more tracks. Okay, so um, yeah, so okay, eight and nine then. Okay. No, it's nine. It's nine. It's nine and eight. No, yeah, no, it's nine and seven because I gave you that one with Natalia. Okay, nine and seven. Got it. 
So the Sigunther one is uh, nine and eight. Yeah. Yeah, okay. CM Punk. CM Punk. How'd you get that just from that beginning? Because I love I love that song in general. Long before it was ever CM Punk's. Alright. Wait, when was the first time you heard that one? Like way back in the um early nineties. Alright. I uh heard ninety six. Yeah. Alright, you go. So seven so you have ten and seven. I think it's ten and eight. Why is it ten and eight? Because last before the call to personality, it was nine and eight. Because yeah, I missed nine and, nine and eight is seventeen. Yeah, so now it would be ten. So then, it, so now it's ten and eight. Okay, so, so yeah, it's ten and eight now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, ten and eight. It's track eighteen. Okay. All right. Here we go. Ah. Well, you're a beast, I don't know. Um, yeah, pass. That is Sonya Deville. Oh, uh, who cares? And the woman knows she destroyed her on SmackDown. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right, so you're track 19. Roman Reigns. No, it's not. It's ahead of the table. <laughs> I'm joking. Roman Reigns. 11 and 9. Okay. Uh, I had to. Alright. So here we go. This is track 20. Are you ready? Yes, sir. Shawn Michaels. Shawn Michaels, you're up to 12. Okay. All right, so 12 and 8. Yeah. All right, here we go. This is the last one. Yep. My favorite women's wrestler of all time and the woman responsible for me going 13-8 in this week's uh, wrestling roulette, Lita. Thank you. All right, very good. 13 and 8. 13 right and 8 wrong. All right, very good. Yes, indeed. So, Ben, we see you bring this show to a close. Very good. All right, fans, so that is it for another week of the PNC Progression Wrestling Podcast. 
We will be back here next Sunday for an afternoon show where we will be reviewing all, where we will be giving you all the results from Halloween Havoc next Saturday night. And the weekend wrestling. And of course, uh, the weekend wrestling. And uh, of course, we also have Halloween Havoc 90, no, 89. We're going to yes. be going way back. To when I was 15 years old, and I and I was but a little sprout at one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I'm Elio. He's Ben. Ben, signal to the fans. Thanks for hanging out with us, guys. Appreciate it. Welcome to the greatest love you